What's up, everybody? I'm Sarah. I'm Sam. And I'm Bobby. And this is Speaking of Missing Persons. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Speaking of Missing Persons, and welcome to the new listeners. Um, quick shout out to our lovely Patronis. We love you guys. Thank you. If you're not a patron, uh, Patroni, make sure you're going there and getting subscribed to that so that you're not missing out on the bonus episodes. Those are coming out every other weekend, and uh, yeah, we love them. You would love them, but you won't know for sure if you love them until you get signed up, so make sure you get signed up. So that said, um, Sarah, who went missing? Who are we talking about today? Today we're going to redo a case. Oh, okay. That we did a long time ago, and hopefully we do it better this time. Oh, okay, yes. So this is one that we did, well, probably close to a year ago now, and um, we are redoing it because a lot of new... A lot of new information has come to light since the last time that we did it, and there we missed a little information the first time. So we're revamping it, re-putting it out there for y'all so you have as many of the facts as we could find. Okay, so the case is about Sherry Lynn Marler. All right. She was born August 18th, 1971. She lived in Greenville, Alabama, on a farm with her family. She was described as a tomboy who loved everything farm-related. Greenville, Alabama is a small town with a population at the time of just 7,600 people. Oh, yeah. For for a small town, yeah, that's pretty small. Yeah. It's located about 35 miles southwest of Montgomery, Alabama. And like a lot of small towns, it was considered a safe place to live, and people didn't lock their doors a lot. Uh, You said at the time. When was the time? It was 1984. Oh. Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Growing up, for me, we didn't lock our doors. We've had this conversation before. Our mom did because she was always in a panic. Mm -hmm. I think we locked them like overnight, but as soon as someone was up in the morning, it was unlocked and stayed that way until we went to bed. No. Mm -mm. Even still, our parents always lock the door. Yeah, and I do now. It's just habit at this point. Usually the door always stays locked. Any door to the outside of the house. Yeah, no, I'm the crazy one that sits with my front door open and just the screen door. But I locked the screen door part. I don't think the lock is that, like, great, though. Okay, where were we at? Small town. Didn't lock their doors. Right. Sherry's mother, Betty Stringfellow, worked the morning shift on June 6th, 1984. 
She worked at the local Waffle House in town. And on that day, she had to be at work by 7 a.m. They had family visiting the farm, so Sherry was sleeping on the couch that morning. And she woke up around 9 a.m. and found that her stepfather, Raymond, was in his truck about to leave to go to town. So she grabbed her shoes really fast and ran out to catch him in the driveway because she wanted to go with him. I mean, if it's like the town we grew up in... Gotcha. I I think I remember this case. If it's anything like the town we grew up in, like going to town was a big deal because you didn't do it very often. No. Yeah, I grew up in the suburbs, so everything was pretty close. No, we grew up where you went to like a Walmart once in a blue moon. And most of the things you ate, you grew. Or you went to the save a lot <laughs> with the piggly wiggly. Yeah. <laughs> Raymond had to go to the bank that morning and sign some paperwork. They arrived at First National Bank around 9.30 a.m. So it was like a 30-minute drive from their farm to town. When he got out of the truck, Sherry told him she was thirsty, so he handed her a dollar and told her to go grab a soda from the gas station across the street. The First National Bank was located at the corner of West Commerce Street and Fort Dale Street, and the Chevron Station was right across the street at the corner of West Commerce and Church Street. It's a lot of streets. Raymond expected Sherry to be waiting for him at the truck when he came out of the bank. He was in there about 15 minutes. So plenty enough time for her to walk to the gas station and back to get a drink. Hanging out in the truck waiting for him. Yeah. And Betty would say that in that time, there would have been a vending machine. So she would have just used the vending machine outside the gas station, probably never actually going into the gas station. That makes sense. And there's also a possibility that maybe she asked someone for change, but as we'll learn, no one claims to have seen her that morning. So Raymond waited by the truck for about 25 minutes before he's like, okay, maybe she walked down to the Waffle House to see her mom, Betty. So he called down there from the bank phone and asked if Sherry was there and Betty told him that she had not seen Sherry since she left the house that morning and this is when Raymond began to panic. He checked the gas station for her, the tractor shop, the feed store, and any other businesses in the area and he found no sign of her. And by this point, Betty had showed up to also help look And when they couldn't find her, they reported her missing to the Greenville police at 11.46 a.m. I mean, at least they didn't waste any time. Any time, yeah. Yeah, because, I mean, she's 12. So police actually took it very seriously and started looking for her immediately. Good. None of this, maybe they ran away, crap. Well, I mean, that is a theory later on, but only because... It kind of has to be. Like, not... Yeah, I can't rule it out. You can't rule it out. Right. 
police, volunteers, friends, and family began a massive search. They even had um, the Crenshaw Flying Service volunteer to conduct an aerial search of the area. And from what I could tell, like, Green... Crenshaw is close to Greenville. Like, I think they're neighboring places. They distributed missing persons flyers all over Greenville and neighboring communities. And despite all of this, they found no sign of her. Nothing. That's shitty. And it's the 80s, so there probably aren't, like, security cameras, you know, all over the place like they are today. And if there was one, like... Say at the bank, there probably wasn't one at the gas station. Yeah. As far as I can tell, there was no security cameras anywhere in this town. There have been many theories over the years about what happened to Sherry that day. Like I said, of course, they have to include the runaway theory. A lot because, like Bobby said, they can't rule it out, but also... At the time, the number of runaways that were reported in the early 80s was, like, extreme. Like, some reports said, like, a crazy number, like a million. See, and how much of that was Over actually... the United States. ...actually runaways, and how much of it was cops going... Right, they well, ran away. That sounds away. like a runaway. Yeah. Yeah. Her family insisted that she would not have just run away from home. They said she was happy and content and had plans for the day. She was supposed to go visit her grandmother, and then she was planning on watching her favorite TV show that night. And they said she would have never missed her show. Plus, she didn't take anything with her. Like, she ran to his truck with just the clothes she was wearing and her shoes. Yeah, I don't think yeah, yeah, she's, she's 12. Yeah, I don't think she ran away at all. She was also never a troublemaker and was described as being very respectful, which could be a downfall, honestly. Yeah. Situationally. Yes. That's why I say like her mom kind of had the thought of like if she needed change for the vending machine and she went and asked the wrong she person. She wouldn't have been afraid necessarily to go ask a stranger for change the next theory was that she was abducted by a stranger at the time that was rare in a small town but not impossible no one witnessed anything now you will read a lot of articles that say there were witnesses that saw her walking to the gas station but there are a lot more that say nobody saw her that morning And it was even to the point where people were like, if she was in town that morning, we would have seen her. So there are people that almost try to say she never even came into town in the first place. Oh. But I don't necessarily believe that. I just think nobody saw her walking across the street. I mean, is it actually a half hour from their farm to the town? Yes. And that's how long it took him. He actually, you know, showed that he left at nine. There was someone at the house to verify family members. Yeah, her, I think her aunt was staying there. Okay, so then we're not missing any time because I'm sure the bank could verify he was there right about 9.30. Right. So he's not missing time. Right. Yeah, I don't buy the fact that she never went into town. I believe 
nobody was paying attention and they nobody saw her like that early in the morning i don't know yeah it's potentially still a ghost town yeah well i don't know it's 9 30 in the morning in a small town i feel like things would be relatively active i mean it could be either way there's that argument like did she even make it to town in the first place but i feel like she did from other things there were three sightings of a girl resembling Sherry after she went missing. So there aren't any truly that witnessed her walking to the gas station, but there are people who claim they saw her after she went missing. But they can't be confirmed, obviously. Some articles said that all three sightings placed her with a man around 50 with a husky build and a hardened appearance. One of these sightings came from a truck driver in Conley, Georgia. He said the girl referred to the man as BJ and she appeared to be upset, disheveled, and dazed. Disheveled? Disheveled, sorry. I don't know why I said it that way. The next theory is she was murdered by someone she knew. Mm, I don't know if I buy that one right off the bat because the only people, you know, who she knew, I mean, there's her stepdad and her mom are both in town. Then you had some uh, family in from out of town at the house. And from everything I can tell, she actually got in the car with her stepdad, actually went to town. Oh, you mean just like around in the town generally, not necessarily like a family member. Right. I mean, maybe? I don't know. Oh, this story is going to get wild. I will say when we first told this story, we left out some stuff that makes you go, what the hell was happening in this town? Well, I'm assuming that this since we're talking about one of the sightings possibly being with the trucker, this gas station was a truck stop? Yes. Then, I mean, I would feel like that's the most likely she got abducted into, uh, you know, an 18-wheeler. That would be my thought. Or tricked into getting into someone's 18-wheeler. Yeah, possibly. Well, her family was, of course, the first to be looked at. And by that, I mean her mom and her stepdad. Right. Mostly because Raymond was the last person to see her. He was very cooperative and answered all the investigators' questions, but he would not take a polygraph test. Refused. I don't blame him. I don't either. No, because they... They wanted to try to pin it on him. Yeah. They could have said whatever they wanted, really, about it. Yeah. Despite this, he was never listed as a suspect. Betty said Raymond never got over Sherry's disappearance, and before he passed away in April 2003, his last words were, Betty, I wish I could go get Sherry and bring her home to you, but I can't because I don't know where she is. No. Yeah, I thought that was sad. It almost made me cry. Now, the summer before Sherry went missing, she had stayed with her stepsister and her stepsister's husband 
in St. Stephen, South Carolina. So South Carolina got involved because they were receiving tips that Sherry had been spotted in that area. That her sister lived. That her stepsister lived, yeah. But none of those sightings could be confirmed. They never actually found anything to prove she was there. Betty dedicated her life to keeping her daughter's memory alive. And in June of 2010, she opened a restaurant in Enterprise, Alabama, that she called Carlisle's on Main. And on a sign out front, it says the restaurant was opened in honor and memory of Sherry Lynn Marler. She also volunteered thousands of hours with an organization called Team Hope, which was a program created by the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children, and it was to train family members of missing or sexually exploited children how to be able to help others that were in that same situation. So pretty much it was like taking people who had missing children or children who had been sexually abused and counseling them so they could counsel other people that were going through it. So they were essentially creating counselors that could relate to the people. I see. Okay. Not much happened with Sherry's case until 2012. When a woman named Ryan Anderson created a Facebook page to keep Sherry's case alive, and it's called Sherry Lynn Marler Still Missing. Even though the page was started in 2012, it would take a post in 2019 from Ryan to grab people's attention. She stated that a group of volunteers and herself had located what they believed was new evidence in the case. Ooh, that's good. She said they had received truly disturbing information over the years from so many sources that were credible but did not want to speak out publicly. Her post read, quote, We believe Sherry Marler was murdered and dismembered by someone she knew very well, not her stepfather and thrown into a hog pen in Butler County, which was where she was from. Shit. We believe the person who murdered her is deceased. We strongly suspect there were one to two other people there at the time of her death, and that they are also deceased. We strongly suspect that she was pregnant at the time. Oh, shit. Really? What? We believe she was the victim of a multi-family incest ring that involved both Butler and Crenshaw counties. So she's saying that there was this, like, small ring where they were kidnapping kids and... Within the family? Or, like, within the families? Within families. And... Pretty much sex trafficking them, but there at a hog farm. The fuck? Jesus. She wrote they had video footage of two separate cadaver dog teams hitting on human remains where they had been digging for years. She wrote that her and her team had been digging 
since spring of 2017 on a 10.2 acre parcel in the woods that at the time Sherry went missing was the location of a working hog farm. Now, while they were digging where these dogs hit, they found a pair of child's pants that were blotchy, dark, stained on them. They turned them over to the Butler County Sheriff's Office and were told they would be tested, but months later, they were still there. So Ryan called the Greenville police, who took the pants and then tested them, and they said there was no DNA present. Not long after this, Ryan got in touch with a family member of the person she believed murdered Sherry. This family member invited her to come look at some old photos that belonged to the spouse of this guy. She found multiple photos that were date, like date stamped of the hog farm in 1984. She found a very damaged photo of the pig pen with the stamp like ripped off of it. And it was at the very bottom of the box, kind of crumpled almost. It was like folded and not in the greatest shape. When she saw it, she believed that she saw a severed head in the bottom corner of the photo. And to be sure, she sent it to six people that she knew and asked them what they saw in the photo. They also believed that they saw a severed human head and not like a de- decomposed head, like not a skull, freshly like decapitated. a freshly decapitated head. And I will tell you, if you go to this Facebook page, you can see the photos. It took me zooming in to even be able to see what they were talking about. And they've like, I have them saved on my phone. And they have had the images like um what's the word i'm looking for here like this is the original photo okay now if you swipe oh oh yeah that's kind of hard yeah it's hard to tell so it's right supposedly bobby yes right there And if you zoom in, it does look like a face, like, laid on its side. I mean, it's definitely very head-shaped. Yes. And there's some marks that look like, it almost looks like maybe a a head shape that's wearing a mask, almost. I don't know. Well, there are photos where it's actually what what am I trying to say? Like they've rendered they've done things to it to try to get a closer look at that portion of the photo. And there are some that even claim you can tell like that it has trauma on oh the face. Yeah, that's that's hard to tell because it's an right. old photo, and it's kind of grainy and gritty, and there's something that definitely looks very head-shaped, um, and it kind of looks like maybe there's a a face or a mask on it, but it, to me, doesn't necessarily, I don't know, 
it, it doesn't look human to me. It looks fake. But if it's like not a completely fresh chopped off head and it's been in there for a minute, it's not going to look that great. No. And depending on what kind of trauma this person experienced beforehand. Okay, I'm seeing, I see it now. So they have on the Facebook page um, a picture where they like turned up the sharpness or something on it. And that's what I was looking for. And (laughs) it's, you know, it almost looks like it's partially submerged in water. um, But you can clearly see what looks like a face and it looks like yeah it's it definitely looks like a human head not a mask an actual face that's been kind of twisted a little bit and you can almost see the teeth but and maybe like some glaring of the light i don't know it's hard to say it's it's strange they describe it as the mouth and the eyes are open and at but that it looks like it's experienced some trauma or like the start of decomp. decomp. Yeah. yeah. I agree. I mean, this isn't a far-fetched idea because there are quite a few murderers in the past and that have used pigs to try to yeah, hog farms get rid of evidence. So she sent the picture to six different people, and they all came back with the same thing. Like, they could see the head when they zoomed in. So she didn't take the actual original photo. She just took a picture of the photo. Because yeah, remember, this is like 2019. Right. Or 2017. So when the cadaver dogs hit on this area and she had a picture of this picture, then she again reached out to the Butler County Sheriff's Office. They came out. They witnessed the cadaver dogs hitting on this area. And then they said, and I'm doing air quotes, said they went and confiscated the original photo and sent it to the FBI. Ryan claims this never happened. She said she's called the FBI multiple times and they told her they've never even heard of, seen, or received a photo. And as of now, this is where this case is stalled. A lot of people believe the police were involved. That's what I was going to say. It seems like they're just appeasing these people of like, Mm -hmm. oh yeah, we'll, we'll take care of that. Uh, we can handle it, but they're only doing it to get them to shut up for a small period of time, and they're not actually looking yeah, into because anything. How because how do you have this whole ring happening in your count, like two a counties, small town, at a pig farm, and you don't know anything about it? Right. There had to be you like some paid. family members also involved. Yeah, you were, or they paid. were getting hush money, something. Yeah. I don't know. It's shady either way. I mean, the thing about it is, is people are saying, like, they've tried to block any effort in finding out what happened to her. And it's not far-fetched that this is what happened to her. No. And I feel like with the whole pregnancy thing, like, I don't think she was killed right away, first of all. I feel like she was kept on this farm to be used 
and then possibly got pregnant and that's why they disposed of her. See what I'm saying? Like, they don't want a baby. Yeah. Yeah. That's my thought. I couldn't find anything really that said why they thought she was pregnant. That's the only thing I come up with is like, she's being sold to these people and this happened to her and then they were like, okay, you're no use to us anymore. Man. I don't know. That's a rough one. Yeah. That is a rough one. And I mean, I feel like that sounds like the most likely possibility is that she was abducted by someone with ill intention. Well, and it could you really, Can you really be abducted otherwise? I don't know. Right. But yeah. um, <laughs> you get what I'm saying. Like, And either that situation where she was trafficked locally to people she knew or trafficked, you know, outside of right. that. And who knows where she went after that. I kind of agree with her mom. Like, I feel like she innocently walked up to a car and asked for change. And, like, she asked the wrong person. Yeah. yeah. And that's why nobody witnessed anything. Is because if she was as respectful and, like, polite and all these things, like they said, then she... All they would have had to do is be like, oh, yeah, I've changed. Just get in the car while I dig it out. And she probably would have done it. So it's a hard one to like with your own kids. Like, do you teach them to be nice to people or do you teach them how you already feel as an adult? Like, fuck everybody. You teach them to have manners, but to be cautious. Yeah. Like, don't be a rude ass just to be a rude ass, but be cautious yeah but that's where we are that's where the case stands right now is i mean if the fbi had that photo they could figure it out if that was i would think so yeah Yeah. well and uh to the listener who emailed us about this case thank you we appreciate you letting us know and to the rest of you listening we hope you enjoyed this episode and if you have any information sarah do you have a number they can call I do not. There was not a number. I know that it's the Greenville police that are handling the case. It seems like the Butler County are the ones that are trying to prevent it from happening, like being solved, which is where the hog farm was. So if you know any information about this case, I know you can message that Ryan girl on Facebook. Yeah, do that or reach out to the Greenville um, County Police Department in Alabama, or I'm sure you could probably reach out to one of those uh, Crime Stoppers things and give them some information yeah. probably. So um, if you have anything, you know, get a hold of one of those folks, pass the information along. Hopefully there can be a resolution found for young Miss Marler. And yeah, uh, don't forget to subscribe, follow the show. Uh, leave us five stars so we get these stories out to more folks. And uh, if you, there is a case that you would like to hear on the show that has you stumped or you just think needs more attention brought to it, email us, speaking of missing persons at gmail.com. We appreciate those and we do read those emails and we do cover those cases. So I guess that said, we will see y'all back next week. Bye. Toodles. Bye. Thank you.